Hello everyone, welcome to this week's episode of Game Point Pod. My name is Fata, and as always, I got my guy Yazin with me. What is up? Man, on the heels of our first live, uh, we are pumped for the second half of the season, ladies and gentlemen. That was a super awesome experience uh, for those of you who attended. Hopefully, we're going to do a lot more of those. But I'm pumped, man. I'm pumped. Like, just being able to talk basketball with my boy and for people to listen to it. And now we got a whole second half of the season. Like, let's get to it, man. I'm excited. Yeah, no kidding. Once again, thanks for joining our first ever trade deadline special last Thursday. It was it was such a dope experience. Lots of questions, scenarios, and funny moments. And we're both glad to share this with all you guys. Let us know if it's something that you want to see often, and we'll gladly do it. This is exactly, I don't mean to sound like Cat Williams, but this is exactly what I've been waiting for. So with that said, that was a very active trade deadline we just witnessed last week. We got a lot to unravel with regards to the deals that were made as well as scoping out what's left of the buyout market. Let's get the show on the road. Oh, wait, one second. You thought I forgot to drop the beat? DJ Khaled got something to say to y'all. Congratulations. You played yourself. That's right. Let's drop the beat. week's segment of run that we will discuss a very active trade deadline last thursday and give a rundown of who our winners and losers are from this big day i'll kick things over to you yazin and we can start off with perhaps the losers of this trade deadline oh yeah so i mean we had a, a lot of people moving it was it was pretty active i think Woj was saying that it was the, probably the most active trade deadline there has been the most teams the most players the most picks conveyed um, we saw guys like Oladipo, we saw guys like Vucevic moved, uh, we saw a couple buyouts here and there, but you know, if we're going to go sort of two winners, two losers, if I'm looking at losers, I'm going to harken back to what I had said on the live and that the Philadelphia 76ers needed something else. They needed one extra boost to be able to compete with guys like Brooklyn, like the Bucks, and having that defensive stalwart point guard like Kyle Lowry could have done it for them. And I saw uh, your little back and forth with our ally, uh, Mark Lamont Hill. Shout out to Mark Lamont Hill. Hopefully he joins the podcast one day. That would be pretty dope. We could talk basketball and other things. Um, but uh, the 76ers were not willing to part ways with Matisse Teibel and Tyrese Maxey, which, okay, great. I understand that they're they're young players and they can develop, but you have everyone has a window. And you have a team right now with still pretty young guys in Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons. So take advantage of their prime. Why are you going to sacrifice their prime and a prime opportunity to win a championship for two, you know, young guys who are under 22, who could be role players. You could be active in the buyout market, replace them. Like they lost to me. They're a big loser to me for not, not jumping on, um, on Kyle Lowry when they had the opportunity. So they're, they're probably my biggest loser. What about you? Yeah, I definitely agree with that. It was so weird that the 76ers fans, as well as the 76ers in itself, thought that the trade proposal around Tyrese Maxey, Thibel, as well as two first-round picks, is considered to be too much. Let's just break it down. I mean, you have Tyrese Maxey, obviously, who's a promising young prospect, but hasn't really proven much yet. So it would be best for you know an organization who is on the downwards and looking to ascend uh, using going through the rebuilding methodology that would work out much better than him just sitting on the bench with the 76ers or playing for the G League team. Secondly, you got Matisse Thibel, who is a really good 3 and D player. And obviously, if you're going to trade for a player of Kyle Lowry's caliber, you're going to have to sacrifice something, regardless of Kyle Lowry's age. You know, he's, again, I know people are saying that he's 35 years old, which is true, but he's playing like he's 30 years old. So in order to acquire a good player, you need to give up something. And I feel like Matisse Thibel and that draft capital would be good enough, in addition to Tyrese Maxey. I found that kind of weird, to be honest, but... You know, there's... Sorry to interrupt, but, like, there's... Lowry, the whole thing about Lowry was that, oh, well, he might not resign. Lowry's from Philadelphia, and he's playing for a championship team. In what world do you think he won't resign with the with the 76ers? You probably got at least another two years out of him, if maybe maybe an extra third year. Like, the, I, to me, that was a no-brainer. Like, of course he would resign. Like, was there any real doubt that it was worth sacrificing for him? I, I think he would have he stuck around. What do you think? 
I think it was more so the fact that Kyle Lowry was demanding, I think, a two-year, $50 million extension, which I still feel that the 76ers should abide to, only because, you know, that's a two-year window that the 76ers could take advantage of Kyle Lowry's services with a rotation with Ben Simmons, Danny Green, Joel Embiid, and Tobias Harris. I feel like that core alone should be good enough to really compete and give a little scare to the Brooklyn Nets, but I never understood as to why the 76ers didn't even try to make that happen. And then on top of that, they tried to use George Hill as a chip to say, okay, well, we're not going to sacrifice our assets for Kyle Lowry, who could potentially walk away from us. So I think we'll be OK with George Hill. Like they forgot about the the free throws that he missed in the 2018 NBA Finals, which ultimately resulted to J.R. Smith basically costing his career. So let's just hope that <laughs> that mistake doesn't happen again. But they're a very big loser in that regard, which kind of segues to my theme in terms of the losers. I feel like the losers of the trade deadline is teams who were actually in the Kyle Lowry sweepstakes that didn't happen to go through with it. And the one team that I want to talk about was the Miami Heat. Miami's refusal to land an NBA champion, a proven leader in Kyle Lowry, really goes to show how pathetic they are as they're in a winning situation and have such a small window. I mean, they were reluctant to part ways with Tyler Hero in order to gain a floor general who can perhaps push the needle for this team with guys like Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo and even Oladipo into a force that they can be reckoned with in the East. Think of a lineup of Kyle Lowry, Victor Oladipo, Jimmy Butler, and Bam Adebayo. Like, that's a legit problem. I didn't expect Pat Riley to wait on Hero's development in exchange for sacrificing their championship window. I don't know what you think about that. I mean... You know, I I had the the Heat on my winners list only because they got Oladipo on pennies on the dollar. They, they sacrificed Avery Bradley, Kelly Olynyk, and a pick swap for for Victor Oladipo. So uh, now I understand how you put them as losers. You know, assuming that they could have landed both of them. Um, I think that yeah, if <clears throat> if you had the opportunity to land the both of them and you don't do that because of Tyler Hero. Uh, and like you said, Pat Riley is like a win now kind of guy. Like you saw what it took for him to get you know, LeBron and, and Bosch and Wade. Like they had to clear a ton of cap space back in 2010 to get those three guys. And it worked. They got two championships out of them and they were competitive for, you know, nearly half a decade with those three guys there. Um, so, yeah, I am a little bit surprised, you know, at the teams that didn't pull the trigger on Kyle Lowry. I think when you have the greatest player of a certain franchise still playing, fresh off of a championship two years ago and you feel like you're a piece away you have to take that gamble I I think you have to take that gamble we've seen teams like the Lakers you know you had LeBron okay LeBron could have played with Ingram and Lonzo and Hart and guys like that and yeah maybe they would have been okay but then they shipped them all out to get AD now everyone is thinking okay whoa you know what is going on like what are you gonna how are you gonna mortgage the future well guess what they won a championship and now guess what they're gonna be competitive for another championship when they're healthy again so yeah to me I definitely agree that they're losers in the sense that they could have had it all. But to me, they're winners in the sense that they got Old Depot for nothing. But uh, yeah, it could have been so much bigger. Yeah, I guess you can spin it off that way. It's just that, you know, Miami was just so close to becoming a real threat in the East. And all they had to really do was sacrifice a young piece in order to get that close to the championship. And the fact that Pat Riley wasn't putting that as a priority as he always does every year, just goes to show how weird the decision was to kind of pass on Kyle Lowry's. That was one of my losers. The other loser that I have is the Houston Rockets and boy, do they have a problem? I mean, that James Harden trade just looks worse by the day. And as you are aware and, and our listeners as well, The Rockets landed Victor Oladipo from the James Harden trade. And as of the trade deadline, he was shipped to Miami. So what did Houston really gain from that? Instead of having Karis LeVert and Jared Allen, they opted into taking Victor Oladipo, then flipping him for Avery Bradley and Kelly Olenek. Just yikes, to say the least. Oh, gosh. They were my pick for my second uh, loser. I'll give you another one. But, uh, yeah, the Rockets, like, come on. You could have had Karis LeVert and and Jared Allen over – 20 games of Victor Oladipo, and now you have Avery Bradley and Kelly Olenek, and a pick swap, okay, a pick swap. I never understand why bad teams agree to pick swaps. Why would you agree to a pick swap with a good Seriously. team? Seriously. You're not going to swap with them ever. 
Because they're, they're always going to be good. Unless the pick swap is in seven years, which we saw the Celtics and the Nets do in, you know, for the Paul Pierce and Kevin Garnett trade where those pick swaps ended up turning into, you know, Jalen Brown. And uh, I think one of them actually turned out to be Damian Lillard, which was actually shipped off again. But, you know, in the immediate, just an immediate pick swap, dumb. Doesn't make any sense. That franchise is, is very sad. I really feel for Steven Silas, the uh, the coach. I hope he stays after this season because I hope he gets a fair shake. This team is is not built for to win and that management is just... You, you have James Harden and you turn it into that. Okay, the the first rounders that you got from uh, from the Nets, sure. Okay, you know what? That's fine. But you got nothing else out of that and you have to really swing for the fences in the draft and make sure that you land some top prospects or else it's going to look very, very bad. My other loser that I had here was the Los Angeles Lakers. Why? Again, it kind of goes back to Kyle Lowry, but more importantly, there was one player who was held up in that Kyle Lowry deal, right? No, it wasn't Dennis Schroeder. No, it wasn't Montrez Harrell. No, it wasn't Kyle Kuzma. No, no, no. It was Talon Horton Tucker. (laughs) T-H-T. Oh, come on, man. The Lakers held out on trading for Kyle Lowry, a proven point guard who can play with LeBron, make him play off the ball, who can play with AD. You saw what he did with Siakam when he was in Toronto because of Talon Horton Tucker. I mean, are you kidding me? Like, who's running the show over there to say, oh, you know what? Championship pedigree uh, point guard who who knows you can he can lead a team to the playoffs and he's going to give you some great minutes and play good. Team. No, 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 no. I like this Talon Horton Tucker guy. You know what I'm saying? Like this Talon, he gives me a solid nine points a game. I I can't get rid of him. Right? Are you serious? That's that to me crazy. Is, is crazy and it's unfathomable that that would be the holdup. So Lakers very uncharacteristically getting rid of. Uh, an opportunity for Kyle Lowry for THT, Taylor Horton Tucker. I mean, gosh, like, what if it was Caruso? I feel like I would have been like, okay, Caruso, mm, maybe. THT, Taylor Horton Tucker? He's, he hasn't you know, proven sounds like anything. Doctor, sounds like a Dr. Seuss character. You know what I'm saying? And now this guy held up a Kyle Lowry deal? Please. Lakers, yeah. big L for you. Massive L. And could you imagine, for example, like, they actually executed on that deal and then picked up Andre Drummond in the buyout like they did? Holy Imagine. smokes. Yeah, the Lakers fumbled the bag on that one, man. Rob Palinka, man, we on your head, bro. We on your head top. Crazy. Yeah, so let's stop talking about losers right now. Let's head on over to the winners. So uh, one of the winners that I got, which for some of the people may be an unpopular opinion, but that is the Orlando Magic. Being able to flip Vucevic, Aaron Gordon, and Evan Fournier for a plethora of draft capital and young talent. I mean... Orlando did the right call in rebuilding considering the current group hasn't really done much and never yielding any promise or success thereof. They were able to fetch three first-round picks, two second-round picks, and some young players uh, with promise like RJ Hampton, Wendell Carter Jr., and Gary Harris. The one thing I like is that they have something that they can start building a new team and culture moving forward. So what are your thoughts on that? Oh, 100% agree on Orlando. I had them on my winners list too. Listen, sometimes you just have to bite the bullet and accept that what you're building is not working. Uh, the Orlando Magic have kind of been like a hodgepodge of talent over the last couple of years. And you've seen it just doesn't it didn't work. You had they drafted a lot of bigs over the last couple of years. You know, Mo Bamba, I, Jonathan Isaac, Aaron Gordon. They traded for Vucevic and they it just you had too much. It was a log jam up there in forwards. You know, their their guard situation was never figured out. They traded for Markel Fultz, who showed some promise that he was going to turn his career around. Obviously, he had, you know, suffered a torn ACL, but they had no character, no direction, uh, no sort of, you know, coaching identity to, to call home about. So, yeah, it was time to, to sell. And the fire sale, to me, was worth it. I mean, you get three first-round picks, two second-round picks, and a couple young prospects. RJ Hampton was one of the highest recruited high school prospects of his year. Went to play in uh, Australia and, and and was drafted from the first round last year. Gary Harris is kind of a he's still young, but he's 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 more of a role player. He's kind of a filler. Wendell Carter Jr., a former Duke center, never really got his footing in Chicago, and you saw that he was benched too. So. I think there was a great haul for those three aging players. Uh, and I don't think they're done. I mean, Terrence Ross, if you saw him on Twitter, kind of like, you know, clowning about like, oh my God, like what is going on? And like, he's the oh, captain his now. His commentary was amazing. It, it was, was perfect. Amazing. 
I was surprised he wasn't shipped out too, but you know, it's probably a matter of time before a contender says, you know what, well, we need a guy who can, you know, drop a 30 piece on a regular basis anytime. So that I don't think they're done selling their pieces. You have a couple pieces there, Fultz, Isaac, Bamba. Let them play a little bit, obviously, when they're all healthy and, and see what you got. And you got a bunch of first round picks, so definitely big win. Sometimes you just have to hit the reset button and do it. And my big winner, I mean, it comes from uh the, the Orlando trade is Chicago. Chicago's one of my big winners here. Listen, yeah, sacrificing two first round picks sucks. Sacrificing Wendell Carter, not not too horrible. Uh, but they got Nikola Vucevic, who's a proven all-star, one of the best big men in the league. You put him with Zach Levine, who is in the prime of his career, entering the prime of his career, super young, super talented. Those two guys could possibly be teammates for a long time and can you can build around them. Now you have a guy like Kobe White, you have a Laurie Markin, and those guys are going to be better complementary pieces. You brought in Alpha Rukaminu as part of that deal. Very underrated, the Alpha Rukaminu part of that deal because he can pour it on on any given night. He plays defense. He's he's a bigger guy, bigger power forward. So yeah, you sacrifice two first round picks, but hey, listen, this is the time to do it. You have a superstar. Chicago has not had a superstar since Derrick Rose, uh, you know, or Jimmy Butler. You know, and now they have a chance to really do it over again. Now they have two superstars, and you know what? Once you have that you have the option to, to add another one. You know, they're going to be players in the trade market, have a couple of those young guys that they dangle around. So Chicago's back. Uh, it's been a long time for them to be like a 10, 11 seed, and I think they're big winners for me. Yeah, I definitely agree with you there. I mean, when it comes to the Bulls organization, they're showing right now that they're content with their young talent, and then now they're willing to make their draft picks expendable in order to bring in NBA-ready star talents, right? So Nikola Vucevic fills that void. And the Bulls are at a point where I believe they have the most difficult remaining schedule right now, and they're currently hanging by a thread to a playoff spot. So with that said, this acquisition, it will surely give them some cushion to turn some of those 50-50 games into probable wins. So I'm really looking forward to see what Chicago can do on a day-to-day basis and pull their way into the East playoffs. I mean, I think it's time that an organization like the Bulls can see what they can do with their young talent and see how far they can get. My other winner that I have currently is the Denver Nuggets. Perfect example of the rich get richer. You know, they bolstered the front court with Aaron Gordon, who can literally fill any void that Jeremy Grant has left last year. He's another player who can create his own shot. And in addition to that, have some defensive pop and versatility in him. It's a great addition to this Nuggets team and looking to get closer to the lead of the West. So looking forward to see how that thing turns out. Yeah, they needed that one. We've been talking about the Nuggets needing uh, an upgrade at power forward. Paul Millsap just isn't cutting it, especially when you're talking about how people are, you know, teams are getting more athletic and they're getting younger and they need something. Aaron Gordon is definitely that piece for me. So like you said, the rich get richer. Teams are trying to stock up for this stretch run that they got here. So it's going to be interesting. And another team, my other winner here is the Clippers. Very underrated deal. Rajon Rondo for, uh, you know, Lou Williams, Sweet Pepper Lou going back to Magic City. I mean, uh, Atlanta, not Magic City, or maybe Magic City. Stop playing with my name. I ain't going to say it no more. We'll see where he ends up, <laughs> who utilizes his talents the most. But, I mean, Rondo coming back to L.A., different L.A. team this time. And if you've listened to any of Skip Bayless's commentary, he thinks that this is a championship-winning move. As much as I hate Skip Bayless for most of the time and how much I disagree with him, I actually kind of agree that this is a huge move for them to get a point guard. Reggie Jackson hasn't been cutting it really. And, you know, this guy, Rajon Rondo, is, is still playing at a high level. It's, uh, you know, he's a championship winner. He's a proven winner sort of everywhere he goes. He's going to be able to set up a lot of Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, Serge Ibaka, uh, Luke Kennard. He's going he's gonna to find these guys and put them in good positions to score and to win. Uh, and he's going to give them that, that tough leadership, that grit, that it looks like the Clippers have been missing. And Paul George, maybe he'll kind of stiffen up his upper lip a little bit and, and become tougher with Rajon Rondo in the locker room, proven locker room leader. So uh, kudos to uh, the Clippers to, for making that move. That you know, Probably the Lakers, you know what? They didn't get their point guard they needed, but the Clippers did. So definitely an A-plus move for me. I wonder with Rajon Rondo's strong personality, if it's going to ruffle some feathers in in the locker room with, you know, guys like Paul George, Kawhi, and a few others. I can see how things can turn completely left with a guy like Rajon Rondo holding those guys accountable because at the end of the day, 
you know, guys like Paul George and Kawhi like to have that superstar treatment. And then you got guys like Rondo who just literally keeps it a buck, keeps it 100 with every single person he's played with, regardless of what status you are in this league. So I think I, that's I, what I they do need. understand. Yeah I, yeah, I understand that's what they need, but I wonder if that's going to yield the results that they're looking for. That's another question. But I do agree with you that that is that it could potentially be a championship winning move. But I'm kind of I kind of like to see how the dynamic will shape up in the locker room once things get tight in the playoffs. So it should be interesting. Yeah, absolutely. You know what? I think that's what they need. And a uh, young coach and, you know, Tyron Lou. So Rajon Rondo is going to take that take that role. And so I, I'm excited. Gosh, everyone got Richard. You know what? This championship is not a sure foregone conclusion to the Nets. There's a lot of competition around. So I'm excited to see that. Hey, man, nothing better than a very crazy arms race, to say the least. So looking forward to seeing all that unfold. Now, let's head on over to our second topic of Run That, which is regarding the buyout market. The buyout market has been moving at a steady pace so far with the first domino falling a few weeks ago, and that is the Blake Griffin joining the Brooklyn Nets. Over the weekend, there has been more activity that may change the NBA landscape ever so slightly. Let's talk about LaMarcus Aldridge joining the Brooklyn Nets on Saturday and what kind of impact he will bring to the squad. Yeah, I mean, we're going to we're going to talk a lot about this. Uh, we got a great question uh, later about, you know, the, the the status of the buyout market, but um, you know, I I tweeted about this last week that the Nets are giving me very much 04 Lakers vibes. You know, obviously it's a little bit different. You have three superstars over two superstars and some people are probably going to uh say that Shaq might have been on the tail end. I completely disagree. I think Shaq was still in his prime in oh, 04. Shot. Uh, I, oh, I know. I, I think he 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 was still dominant. Uh, the Heat don't win a championship without him uh, in 06. But um, yeah, a little little different comparison. But Griffin and, and Aldridge, Malone, Peyton. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't think it's huge, huge, earth shattering deals. I think they're great moves for them. Don't get me wrong. Blake Griffin, as we saw him in that revenge game against Denver, he he can still play. You know, uh, can he stay healthy? Whole other question. I've seen him. You know, in Detroit live in a playoff game where his leg was wrapped up with every single piece of tape that Detroit could possibly fathom in order for him to play. And that doesn't just get repaired. You know, it actually gets worse with age. Yeah, he's probably playing a little bit less, but, you know, I, I don't think that he's this he's not the 9 Blake Griffin we're talking about, guys. He's not the alley-oop grabbing you know spin move no 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 he's 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 very much a rotational guy now he shoots threes uh he's very much slower Aldridge is kind of the same you know Aldridge is not the same guy that we saw in Portland during the prime of his career reminder you know Marcus Aldridge was drafted in, in 2006 I mean he's been playing for about 15 16 years and as a big man that puts a lot on your body so I, I'm not going to downplay their moves obviously everyone knows my opinion about the Nets but I don't think they're as earth-shattering as everyone is saying they are. And we're going to have to see how healthy they, they are and, and really how they play, you know, in the playoffs. And when it comes to one basketball, one shot, you know what? It doesn't matter how many guys you have. It just matters about how you execute. So, you know, kudos to them to get in Lamarck Soldier. I did not see that coming. I thought he was heat-bound all the way. But uh, he ends up playing for the Empire over there in Brooklyn. And you know what? That's it's unfortunate. But, you know... We're going to see. We're going to see what happens. I'm not going to lie. I I like the move. Actually, both moves with Blake Griffin and LaMarcus Aldridge. And I think the one thing people need to understand is that you guys have these two players who used to be the man for their respective franchises. And now they come to a point where they're not in their primes anymore, starting to slow down a little bit, and then hopping on a team that has three superstars, which for, for them is a great scenario because they are not looked upon as someone that needs to provide day in, day out because they got guys like Kyrie, James Harden, and KD. So I can see why Brooklyn was a very attractive situation for them. And, you know, I mean, if they if they were all in their primes, I could see this not working whatsoever, right? But when you have two guys in Blake Griffin and LaMarcus Aldridge who are in their careers where they know themselves, they know their role, and all they need to do is just fill in that void that the Brooklyn Nets are looking to have filled, I feel like might be complementary to what the roster is constructed currently. And with that said, you know, as long as they can, you know, pitch in a few points, a few rebounds here and there, you know, and 
put on the cape when called upon. That's all Brooklyn really needs at this point. I still think that LaMarcus Aldridge and Blake Griffin are indeed an upgrade to Jeff Green, right? So, oh, of course. And, uh, and you know, guys, young guys like Claxton who are, are good, mind you, but, like, we were bringing in vets who have extensive amount of playoff experience. So that will always help superstars in Kyrie, James Harden, and KD. And uh, the Brooklyn Nets are looking uh, quite dangerous, to say the least. So I really like those moves. Yeah, and you know what? Uh, we just got word today, I believe, that uh, Andre Drummond uh, has signed with the Lakers, which, which you know, you had mentioned earlier. And I think that move is much bigger than the Griffin or Aldridge signing because Drummond is still very much young. He's still under the age of 30. And he, he was surprisingly playing really, really well in Cleveland this year. Like, he, he's been putting up numbers for a team that has no direction and sort of no other complementary player. And now you're putting him healthy next to ad who when he gets healthy should return to form and help ease up the 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 stress on on his body and having to grab boards when you have a double double monster and and andre drummond and of course lebron james i mean when you have a guy that takes up space in the post right there it's going to free up a lot of driving lanes for him where you know he's going to be able to to bounce guys off and box them out you know out of the paint and allow you know for for guys like lebron james to, to drive so i actually rate that move a lot more than i do the Aldridge Griffin moves because he's still young. He's still arguably in the prime of his career. He just, you know, what didn't get a fair shake with, uh, with Cleveland and Detroit. And he's going to really compliment those players out in LA. So I don't know what you thought about the deal, but to me, that one was, a, was the biggest buyout upgrade that I saw so far. Yeah. I, I can see why people think that way, but I don't know. To me, I think like these acquisitions are a lot closer than it appears. Obviously, Andre Drummond is that double-double machine, you know, interior presence that the Lakers will definitely benefit off of. But what I'm having troubles understanding is him being down low in the paint with a guy like Anthony Davis, who's going to, you know, probably like work on his mid-range game or like, I just don't see how the twin tower effect will work. And in addition to that, LeBron James driving lanes might be a bit clogged there so i don't know with the addition of andre drummond how that may impact from a offense side of things because i feel like with the more space they can operate in the paint the more that you know lebron james can attack and ad can attack allow the perimeter shooters to be open at all times which is why i see a guy like for example like marcus all is definitely not that guy but you can see what the spacing that he provides. It opens up the offense a bit more, but I feel like the Lakers would be much better suited with a big that's obviously capable of stretching the floor that can allow LeBron James to operate off either pick and rolls or attack the paint just straight up one-on-one rather than having a guy like Drummond down low that's kind of clogging it. And then obviously you got to think about hack a Drummond when the playoffs come around. You know, but when you look at it on paper, yes, it's definitely a great deal. I'm just, I just want to put into question how this will all work from an offensive side of things when, you know, we're more of a shooting perimeter oriented league. When you see Utah, for example, right, you have a guy like Rudy Gobert who doesn't stretch the floor, but he's surrounded by shooters and guys that don't really need to drive into the paint as much, right? So I, I, I want to see how the Lakers can do in improving some of their shooting, maybe getting a buyout candidate in maybe like Wayne Ellington who can shoot the ball and probably spread the floor a bit more to allow LeBron James to operate as such. Yeah, I think he's going to need more more shooters. But you know what? This could be uh, reminiscent of like uh... – the late great Kobe Bryant kind of just saying, you know, shut up and go get my board. You know, Andre Drummond is not going to demand the ball. Uh, LeBron James is, is he's different than a lot of these players that we have mentioned, you know, about like just needing shooters. LeBron James, he can shoot the three, but he's also a point guard. Uh, and he's also a big guy. He's six, you know, six, eight, two, 40, 250, huge, can drive paint with ease and he can find Drummond. And we've seen, you know, LeBron have success with sort of plotting big men before. So I'm not, I'm not too concerned. We've seen him have success with Tristan Thompson and Andre Drummond is much better than Tristan Thompson. So yeah, it's going to, we're going to have to see what the chemistry is going to look like, but I think I have faith that they'll be able to figure that out and that everyone's going to play their role. And, you know, like I said, just, you have the youth on his side. It's an upgrade over, over Marcus for sure. Uh, Montrezl Harrell now is going to be able to be used 
differently. Now, you know, he's going to, you can play him at a four maybe and kind of, you're going to, it's going to be rough and tumble to beat that Lakers team. Like they're building an identity of being a tough team now. You know, they're not going to give you anything on offense or on defense. So definitely a big move for me. Yeah, we'll see how things shape up. I mean, yes, it definitely looks good on paper, but I'm curious to see how Frank Vogel and the Lakers can put a game plan together to ensure that each player is maximized based off their potential. And we'll see what happens. All right, so that wraps up our Run That segment. Let's head on over to AO Moment of the Week. AO, what the f***? I think there is an AO moment of the week that we both shared last week during our trade deadline show that we wanted to speak about on today's episode. And that is regarding the beef between Draymond Green and a defensive legend, Tony Allen. Oh, I'll let God. you take this one away, Yazin. Oh, God. Oh, man. Yeah, Draymond. Gosh, Draymond. We've touted how much we like how Draymond Green talks a lot, you know, and kind of speaks his mind. And, you know, we've never really had an issue with that. But sometimes you got to know when you're right, and sometimes you got to know when you're wrong. No one to hold them, no one to fold them. You're talking about Tony Allen, one of the greatest defenders of all time. You're talking about a guy who his entire reputation was built off of defense. You're talking about a guy who the reason why that Memphis Grizzly team was called Grit and Grind was mostly for him because he was so such a gritty defender. and for, for First team all defense. First, first team, team all defense. All day, every day. And you, and Draymond Green, I don't think Draymond Green is the best defender in the league right now. And you're going to talk about all time? Come on. Come on, man. That's like... Crazy. Listen, you, it's, it's crazy. You don't you don't come after the king. You know what I'm saying? Like, if you come after the king, you best not miss. And he missed. He missed a lot because he's not nearly as good of a defender as Tony Allen. If he doesn't win Defensive Player of the Year this year, Tony Allen has all rights to just rag on him completely on Twitter. And like, yo, where's your trophy at, bro? Like, you can't claim to be the best defensive player of all time and not and not be able to back it up. Yeah, I agree. I mean, there's certain things in which you just can't challenge or just frankly just stay in your lane, as LeVar Ball would say at best. But... Draymond Green, he really needs to stop dealing with these legends and just play the game of basketball. I get it. You like to have little theatrics here and there, and it's always fun to listen to and fun to watch, but there's a fine line that you just can't cross, and I feel like this was just it. You know, Memphis Grizzlies has been a team in which, with us growing up, has been the pinnacle of defensive basketball that we have seen since the 04 Detroit Pistons. I mean, they were so fun to watch seeing them dismantle offensive juggernauts and, you know, in the Western conference and Tony Allen was definitely the anchor of all that. So with that said, I'm not too sure why he's going off on an old legend, OG status guy like him, but Draymond, you got to start staying in your lane before someone checks you. That's all I really got to say on this one. Tony Allen's nickname is the grind father. Understand this, Draymond Green, the grind father, you know, three time for uh, all defensive first team, three time all defensive second team, former NBA champion. I mean, he personified what it meant to be a defensive guy. He he wasn't going to come out there and, and, and average 25 points a game. He would be content with averaging zero points a game as long as he held his opponents to zero points a game. Yeah, you know where you are in the NBA right now. You, you know, I, I don't like Draymond Green's a great defender, sure, but. To be considered greatest of all time, you have to be considered greatest this year, at least, or considered greatest of your generation, maybe, before you start coming at all time. Bro, like, I don't get, like, maybe that's just a part of his personality, but, like, when you're having a good season, I can see why you would share this energy. But, like, what has he done this season? Like, I mean, he, ha- he has done nothing worthy of talking He's yelled a lot. Shit. yeah. Frankly, just because you just because you dropped 17 assists last week doesn't mean that, you know, you're the best point guard in, in the country or in the league or whatever the case may be. But, like, he feels like that's always something to be warranted about, and I frankly don't get it. So I'm sure there's going to be one day where Draymond's going to get checked sooner rather than later, I, I'm assuming. So I guess we'll see. Yeah. I mean, I also I had another AO moment of the week, and it's it's, it's really bothered me. So this year we've seen the most female referees, you know, that we've seen in a long time. And I've seen a lot of people on Twitter and on Instagram, like start, you know, 
clowning on these female refs for I don't like having crushes on players or flirting with them or kind of showing favoritism. There was one with Luka Doncic. There was one with Bogdan Bogdanovic. It's just not necessary. It's not necessary at all. And I think it's a disservice to these female refs who, who work their asses off to, to become referees in the national basketball association over a lot of guys because they know how to play the game and, and you're kind of minimizing them into just like, these love-stricken women, oh, oh, you know, standing next to these NBA players, these good-looking NBA players. I think it's it's disgusting, and I, I think people have got to stop clowning women of power anywhere, uh, and especially these these referees who we've seen a lot of people complain about their calls. We've seen them may, be made memes out of, and it's just not needed. It's not necessary. You've seen a lot of bromances with referees and players. I we, I talked about a couple of weeks ago where one referee literally went up to Mike, Michael Jordan and was like, I didn't see the foul, but if, you know, I believe you and he called the foul for him. So what are we talking about here? Why, why is there a double standard here? So please, NBA fans, respect these female refs, respect female women in power anywhere, respect females in general, please. And, you know, I, I don't want to see that stuff translate to the NBA. The NBA is, is far and away the best league when it comes to female empowerment. And uh, let's keep it that way. Yeah. I found it super strange as well. And I mean, you're always going to get these clowns that try to diminish the efforts of females, especially in a male dominant work environment. So kudos to those ladies for, you know, sticking through the thick and thin. And at the end of the day, the fact that there's a female ref on an NBA court is very symbolic. And just because Joe Blow on Twitter or on Reddit tries to mouth off from his basement, it just goes to show that, you know, there's levels to this, right? You're going to be in your basement talking shit while the female ref is refing some of the best quality basketball players in the best league in the world. So I'm just going to leave it at that, really. I mean, it, it speaks for itself. She, she knows more about it. basketball. Yeah, she knows more about basketball than half you clowns. Like, she's qualified for her job. Let her cook. You know what I'm saying? Don't demonize her for being a woman and say, oh, oh, she's going to give these good-looking players the co-. Get out of here with that stuff, man. She knows more about basketball than, than all of us listening to this combined your national basketball association referee all right put some respect on their names couldn't have said it better yazid so my last ao moment of the week is not really that crazy of an ao moment but it was regarding the portland toronto game on sunday where my guy norm powell fresh off the trade a few days ago was lining up on the wrong side of the tip-off to start the game that truly had me in my feelings to be honest Norm is still a Raptor at heart, even though he's wearing another uniform. It was a bittersweet moment. And seeing him enjoy success on another squad is uh, something that I'm okay with. And I finally came into a piece. Portland's going to be very dangerous. And they got a good one in Norm Powell. So that was my uh, that was my second AMO of the week. What did you think about that one? Yeah, man. People, everyone go to your Twitter and look at your, uh, your trade evaluation of that deal. It makes a lot of sense for people who are kind of on the fence about it. Norm Powell will be missed here in Toronto for Toronto fans. I can understand. Uh, his dunk, I think, in, against the Pacers in, in what was the second game round? Five. Game five, that just flying out of there dunk. It looks like he was in the air for just an eternity. And he's definitely, he's a grit and grind kind of guy. So to see him line up on the wrong side, it's it's sad. You know, it's bittersweet. But you know what? Let the guy cook. Let him do his thing. Uh, you guys got, you know, some great pieces in Gary Trent Jr. and Rodney Hood and you know, best of luck to Norman Powell, man. I, that's another deal that we should have we should have rated too. The the, the Blazers getting him uh, off the bench, so uh, kudos to him. And uh, yeah, he he would love to be missed. Yeah, I just didn't want to open up a healing wound right now, so that's why I kind of skipped over the <laughs> Norman Powell trade. But again, it was a good trade on both sides. We just want to touch up on that. You know, Gary Tran is a young talent, kind of similar to Norman Powell's skill set. Only at the age of 22, averaging 15 points per game. With the Raptors having such a swell player development program, I truly believe what they can do with Gary Trent Jr. in turning him into not only another Norman Powell, but potentially someone even better. So I have full faith in what Masai and Bobby Webster have cooking right now. Rodney Hood, he still has a team option for next year. And he's just another guy off the bench who can hit the three ball. Although a defensive liability, I still believe that the Raptors can somehow bring the best out of his ability and we'll see how things progress. But either way, Norm Powell, you know, he deserves to be on a good team. And the fact of the matter is he played outside of his price range, considering how well he's been shooting the basketball as of late. 
and he's going to be commanding probably 20 million per year annually in the free agency market. So well-deserved to Norman Powell. Looking forward to Gary Trent's development in Toronto and good trade on both sides. No doubt. Agreed. All right, so that wraps up AMO of the week. Let's head on over to Games of the Week. I love this game! <laughs> As for Games of the Week, I am very excited to see the acquisitions take on the floor in their new respective uniforms. For me, I got an eye on a game that may be brewing to be a good one, and that is the Chicago Bulls taking on the Phoenix Suns. Perhaps the debut of the all-star Nikola Vucevic alongside his fellow all-star Zach Levine as a take on CP3, a Devin Booker-led Suns on March 31st should be a fantastic one. What do you think? Yeah, let's let's see if uh, if those Bulls are for real, man. You know, put them to the test. You got to throw them into the fire. The Bulls need some wins to uh, to get stay in that playoff hunt. Uh, I definitely want to see that. I I have another game of the week. Um, and it is the return of Kristaps Porzingis to the Garden. Uh, Friday, April 2nd, Mavericks, Knicks, KP, the fake KP, the fake superstar, you know, the unicorn oh, with no magic, it. you know, the, the guy with two. He's coming to the Garden, and we're going to see him get washed by the man that we Traded him to get cap space for Julius Randle, a.k.a. Julius Jandle, a.k.a. the MVP, a.k.a. All-Star. We're going to see those two guys go. I just going to listen. Anytime KP's in the garden, there's going to be 2,000 raucous fans booing the holy hell out of that guy. But we're going to see him crumble, hopefully. I love Luka. Shout out to Luka, you know. But this is a Knicks territory. It's a Knicks win. I don't think KP has won against the, the Knicks since he's been traded. And I think that should continue, hopefully. And uh, I want to see him just get bullied. Oh, man, I'm excited. Woo, child. No, I'm telling you right now that that streak ends for sure. I think KB is going to be putting up some big numbers. Looking forward to that. Oh, maybe in turnovers or, uh, or minutes not played. <laughs> minutes on the bench. Oh, my career God. Career high, possibly. This Julius Randle hype got to your head. So, oh, man, you, you totally forgot about what KP did in that garden, man. Over over his career as a New York Nick, yeah, he's putting, under, he's putting under, on show. under underserved, underperformed. Yeah, I, I know what he did. He had a couple of good putback dunks. You know what I'm saying? Those lights were too bright for him. Too bright, burned his skin. <laughs> his play was underwhelming. It could very well be matched by just a franchise itself. You know what I mean? If if the franchise is underwhelming and providing you know players that to surround around KP, then you know expect to, expect to yield the results. So we'll see. Not what anymore. I'm just saying. Look at him now. Look at me now. We're getting wins. You know what I'm saying? Not paper. We're getting wins. So that's going to be one to watch. Yeah, it's definitely exciting. I, I mean. Any any game with superstars coming to the garden should be a good one. Let's see if KP is going to be one of those superstars that drops over 50-plus in the garden. <laughs> <laughs> As my boy Spice Adams would say. <laughs> you crazy. All right, so that wraps up Games of the Week. Let's head on over to Blog Boy Talk. So all your blog boys and fanboys that's going to use everything I say and create an article, yeah. watch a basketball game. How about you write that? We got a good question submitted regarding the buyout market. And that question is, what are your thoughts on the buyout market and adding of a buyout candidate to contenders in a big market? Some executives believe that it's unfair to small market teams. Do you think this it should change? And what do you propose? So, Yazin, I'll kick that off to you. What do you think? Yeah, absolutely. So, shout out to my boy Mahalo for answering this, for asking this question. It's something that's been on my mind a lot, uh, and he he asked it kind of so perfectly. Where it's like, does the buyout market need fixing? Right. So, here's the deal with the buyout market. For people who don't understand, when you have someone who has a large contract and wants to get out of the contract. Oftentimes, they'll return some of their salary uh, back to the that team, uh, and are essentially their 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 contract, the rights to expire their contract is purchased basically, so that now they're free to sign a deal with any team. And most of the time, uh, they sign the veterans minimum deal, uh, and you know the the team that bought them out is responsible for whatever is left on that contract. Uh, so for Blake Griffin, I think. He had, I think, $36 million left, and uh, he gave back, oh, gosh, I can't even remember what the number was, but it wasn't, it wasn't a huge number. So now the, the, the question is, you know, is it 
is it right for these, I guess, bad teams in most cases that are doing the buyouts um, to to have to take on these contracts and then allow them to go to really good teams and be on the hook to pay them while they play for these good teams who are paying them pennies on the dollar to play and to win a championship. I think it does need some attention. I think this idea of the buyout is just used too much and guys just... Once once the talk of a buyout comes into play, no one's trading for him anymore. So the bad team is not getting any better. Actually, they're getting worse because now they're on the hook for their contract that they have to pay out while they end up going to another team. You saw this with LaMarcus Aldridge. You saw this with Andre Drummond and Blake Griffin. No trade partners whatsoever for these guys. And now they go to these really good teams who are paying them less than $5 million a year to win a championship. And these these uh, franchises like the Spurs now, the Cavs, and the Detroit Pistons, who are not good, like as good as these these championship teams that they're going to, now they're on the hook and and they're stuck paying footing the bill. So I think the idea of the buyout market is sound in theory, but it needs some work because it's just it's just not fair. And and once you catch wind of a buyout, no one wants to trade anymore, and teams just end up getting worse. No, that's definitely a good uh, a good point. I mean, these small market teams are always struggling, and me being a Raptors fan, I've seen instances of that over the course of my fandom, where you know star players leaving, whether it's free agency or the buyout market or through a forced trade, rather. So I can definitely understand where they're coming from in terms of small market teams having to force their hand in letting their star players go via buyout market and then signing to a contending team for less than $5 million or even the veteran minimum, to say the least. There is fixing that needs to be done, and I think that the NBA should adopt what the NFL has done with regards to small market or any team losing their star player that they've drafted or whatever the case may be, and that is you know, rewarding them with a compensatory pick. That's something that the NFL has adopted you know, with small market teams who lose a player or a star player that they've developed over the course of the years and they decide that they want to hold out or they want to leave through free agency to another market. What ends up happening is that depending on the player, years of service, and I believe as well as what team they signed to or the case may be, I can't remember the specific formula, they, they end up rewarding a compensatory pick, the NFL does, to that small market team that lost a player or whatever team. It doesn't matter if it's small market or big market. It's a a compensation to allow teams to recover whatever time that they have lost with putting in all the resources and developing their top-tier talent. And maybe the NBA should consider expanding their, their draft instead of two rounds, maybe like three rounds, and then maybe using some of the cup picks uh, within the second round, you know, to be awarded to those individuals or to those teams rather. So I think that should be a good way to adopt the NFL strategy. And I couldn't even imagine a time where I would recommend something about the NFL to such a progressive forward thinking league like the NBA. But I think that's the move to make at this point. Yeah. Compensatory picks to me, I think are are a fantastic idea. Uh, you don't even have to expand the draft into like a third round. You can just add picks to a round, right? You can just give them extra second round picks. And then instead of it being 30 second round picks, there's 33 second round picks. or so there's 34 one year. So maybe that one year there's 31. I think that's a great idea. You know, years of service, I got to say, you know, contract and, and uh, like their, their accomplishments to definitely play into it. Like if you have a guy like a Blake Griffin, who multiple time all-star, you should get something back for that. You know, you need to pay something back or even making it more difficult for these larger market teams to, to get a guy. Instead of allowing them to get him for the veterans minimum, maybe they have to take a share of that contract. Maybe, you know, it may, maybe it's just a little harder for them to to buy, uh, you know, purchase the, the, the these, these contracts and, and, and to, to purchase these players. So, you know. Something like that, I, I think, would definitely help because these small market teams are getting shafted completely who are, who are buying these guys out. And like I said, once you hear about the buyout, you're not thinking of, of trading for a guy. That's why you heard zero offers for any of those three guys that we mentioned earlier today, Griffin, Aldridge, and, and Drummond, because they started talking about buyouts and then that's it. You know what? You know he's going out somewhere. Why would I give up something when I can sign a guy for $3 million versus absorbing a $25 million contract? But 
at the end, you know, these these smaller market teams are the ones who are eating it. I think they do should get compensatory picks. I think maybe we should even start talking about a franchise tag for some guys. That could be a whole other discussion. Franchise tag in the NFL is basically, you know, if you want to, while you're sort of negotiating a contract, you can tag a guy and, and give him a tender to basically uh, pay him the average uh, for his position. So that's the that's a tool that a lot of teams use to to keep guys around until they can sort of resign them or they can trade them. So anything that can we, we're in this in this sort of world now in the NBA where mobility is is completely up to the players. Players can really dictate where they go nowadays. It's a lot different than in the NFL or any other leagues. Players can just say, "Hey, I want to go here. Find a deal for me until I get there." You know what I'm saying? Look at Deshaun Watson in the NFL. Since we're on the topic, has said he didn't want to play for this team for for so long. He's still on the team. He's still there. Does he make it to the beginning or the beginning of the season? Who knows? But does he go to the team that he wants to go to? Who knows? Maybe maybe he does it. So now in the NBA, guys are able to dictate that. And I think that's helping the league, but it's also hurting the league a little bit in the sense that small market teams cannot keep these guys in tow. And now once their services are up, kind of lose them for nothing. And and these rich, richer teams keep getting bigger and badder. And it's something that needs addressing in the next CBA, I'd say. Right. And kind of yikes to mention a guy like Deshaun Watson. I think the next team that he's going to be hopping on is part of the movie trailer to Longest Yard 2. So we'll see where things go. You know what? Did not (laughs) even think of that one. But you know what? He could be playing out there with, you know, with those guys out there in the Longest Yard. He's not, he's not having a good time right now. Not at all. Yeah. So, I mean, that was a good question. Thanks again for that. And let's keep these uh, questions going. So with that said, thanks again uh, for tuning into our episode. Don't forget to like, subscribe to our podcast, GamePointPod on IG and GamePointPod underscore on Twitter. We are both on Spotify and Apple platforms. And actually, someone did mention to me that we're on Google Podcasts, which I didn't know we were on that until someone brought it up to my attention. I'm glad that we're on another platform that people can have access to our content. Yeah, no doubt, man. Keep sharing. Keep liking. Keep joining on the lives. Guys, I'm very disappointed no one hopped on the live to, to speak to us. We gave you that offer to, to join us and to, and to speak and not just chat. Next time, hey, man, you know what? Let the, let the reins loose. Like, guys, come join us. Be part of the, the conversation. Let's talk about it. This is a community here. Yeah, don't worry. I think it's something that we got to do on our part to make sure that they have everything they need to hop on the live with us. So we'll definitely get that crack. It. I mean, it was our it was our first rodeo. I'm sure the the next few lives going forward is going to be fun to watch. So, like Yasin said, add reviews if you can. That'll be greatly appreciated. With that said, we'll be signing off. That's game. <laughs>